may be seated. Last week we looked at a, a desperate battle that was uh, taking place as a Christian, the main character of John Bunyan's uh, The Pilgrim's Progress, was assailed by the ancient foe of God's people, Apollyon, there in the Valley of Humiliation. And it, it was a tough uh, fight. But remember, Christian prevailed because of that spiritual armor that had been provided him at the arm, armory. But as great as that fight by an enemy from without was in Christian's life, the worst battle takes place within the Christian as we from time to time find ourselves in a valley of deepest darkness where it's very difficult to even see the light of the gospel. We just sang about our need for Jesus as a refuge, that the storm can rage severely in our lives, and no one even know it because the storm is raging deep down in our souls. And we find Christian entering, having left the valley of humiliation, entering a second valley that is called the valley of the shadow of death. And so today we'll continue this series on the Christian life as we consider this, this valley, the valley of the shadow of death. And as we'll look today at the valley itself, at God's presence with us in the valley, and then we'll end with the one weapon that is most effective when we are in that place of deepest darkness and it's the weapon of all prayer. And so deep valleys, ravines, wadis are very much a part of the landscape of Palestine. These are great chasms and the high cliffs that form the chasms cast a shadow so that a traveler within the ravine or the wadi or the valley is very difficult to make out really what's ahead because of the shadow that is cast because of the darkness. In fact, within these high walls that, that are in these valleys, there are crevices and there are caves for wild animals to hide or even bandits. And the sense of these, these valleys that are so prominent in the landscape of Palestine is a place of danger, a place of surprise a place that can be very, very terrifying and uncertain. And David, as a shepherd, knew these valleys very well. As he not only walked in them himself, but as he walked in them while leading his flock through them time and time again, as he shepherded them in the valley. So when David writes Psalm 23, there is no doubt in my mind that these valleys, these valleys from David's own experience as a shepherd are very much front and center in his mind as he reflects upon God who is the shepherd, who even shepherds us through the valley of deepest darkness, the valley of the shadow of death. I want to uh, pray for us 
And before I pray, let me ask you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 23. Much of what I say today will, will be related to Psalm 23. Let us pray. God, our Father, we, we come before you this hour asking for your grace and your mercy. As we seek to know more your word, and especially as it relates to what so many of us have and all of us will at some point experience a, a place of deep darkness, that inward struggle, that season of spiritual dryness. Father, teach us today about this valley. Teach us today that you are with us in the valley. Teach us today the weapon we have to navigate that valley. And so instruct us, change us, conform us to your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. This surely is one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. Psalm 23. And in verse 4... David says and refers to this shadow of death in this valley, he is, look, he is remembering his experience in those valleys as a shepherd. And it's interesting that the ESV, I think, captures more the sense of what David is communicating in this term, the valley of the shadow of death, when in a footnote it suggests Another translation, the valley of deep darkness, which I think gets more to the point in a way that we can understand it. Now, have you experienced a valley of deep darkness in your own life? Not just that outward, the outward circumstances that might be a trial, but that inward struggle of feeling alone and abandoned where you can't, you're, you're confused, and it's hard for you to even make sense out of God's Word? Have you experienced that inward battle and struggle with being in the valley of deep darkness? I have good news and bad news for you. Uh, the good news and the bad news is that if you've never experienced that, you most likely will before you make it to heaven. So that's the good news and the bad news. The good news is that I think God does some of his best work when we're in the valley of deepest darkness to sanctify us. Life's journey sometimes becomes gloomy, dark, spiritually very dangerous. In the deep darkness, we 
face doubt and fear and confusion and uncertainty. We find it difficult to see the light of the gospel, though it is clearly there, but we're so clouded by this shadowy valley that we are in. One writer says this, in the valley of the shadow of death, truth is shrouded in darkness, temptation and sin threaten to cast us down. And the reason I said that if you haven't yet been through a valley of deep darkness, you will, because in my judgment and just my experience, I think it's inevitable that this valley, these valleys are part of the journey from the cross to heaven itself. Notice what David says. He says, even though I walk through the valley, he doesn't say, if I walk through the valley. It really is something that we can't avoid, and it really is perplexing that even the most mature of us in Christ can find ourselves plunged into deep darkness of the soul. These valleys are part of the straight and narrow way to heaven. And the valley of deep darkness was part of David's journey. He not only knew about the valley of the shadow of death because of his, of his experience as a shepherd, he knew about the valley of the shadow of death in his soul because of his many failures before God. It was part of John Bunyan's journey. It's part of our journey to face these valleys. And most importantly and most significantly, it was part of Christ's journey. In fact, the only hope we have of making it through this second valley, the valley of the shadow of death, is because Jesus has already been there and passed through it faithfully for us. But think of Jesus in the valley of the shadow of death as he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he was betrayed. Think of Jesus in the valley of the shadow of death as he hung there on the cross to die. Not for his sin, for he was sinless, but for the sins of people like you and me. You see, Jesus has passed through the valley. That's our hope that we too will make it through as well. But what do we experience in the valley? And the first thing we experience is that it's a solitary place. Jeremiah in chapter 2 and verse 6 is a really interesting verse because he, he's talking about the wilderness. And he says the wilderness, that wilderness that the, the people of God passed through after they were redeemed from Egypt, the wilderness has deserts and pits and drought and deep darkness. No one lives there, says Jeremiah. And I'm paraphrasing this, but I think what Jeremiah is getting at is no one in their right mind would go there. <laughs> no one in their right mind would go there unless led there by a shepherd. And you know what? We are led there by our shepherd. Secondly, Oh, Bunyan writes, now this valley is a very solitary place. 
And perhaps you, like myself, have been in a period of spiritual dryness or deep darkness. And one of the most natural things is to feel alone. You can be in a room full of people like this and be lonely because inwardly you're in this solitary place of deep darkness. Secondly, it is a place that is worse than the first. In Bunyan's story, if you've been reading along, Christian, just as he is leaving the valley of humiliation and entering the valley of the shadow of death, he encounters two men who are running, <laughs> running back towards the uh, valley of humiliation. They had passed through the valley of humiliation, obviously, and had made it at least partway through the valley of the shadow of death, and they just freaked out. They couldn't take it, and so they turn around, and they were running away from that valley, and this is the report. The valley, they said, is, a, is dark as pitch, and over that valley hangs, hangs the discouraging clouds of confusion. Death also doth always spread the wings over it. In a word, it's a very dreadful being utterly without order. And I think that's a pretty apt description of what we experience sometimes when we're in the midst of that inward spiritual battle that we're calling the valley of deep darkness uh, today. Sure, the enemy from without is, is, is difficult, but the enemy from within is worse oftentimes. And then thirdly, it is a narrow way. You know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We get that, John 14. But in this, this valley of deep darkness, it can be so hard to even see that. It can be difficult to see clearly the way of Jesus. And we struggle to put our faith in him. And so as Christian is making his way into the valley of the shadow of death, he, he discovers that the, that the way really is narrow. And in case you're wondering, the, the way to heaven is narrow, which means there will be trials. And so what he realizes is this way gets narrow, then on one side there's a ditch. And so just think of being in this shadowy, gloomy, dark, place trying to navigate this very narrow way and on one side there's a ditch this is the ditch that we fall into when we we take sin lightly when we fail to see clearly the sinfulness of our sin where we can presume upon God where we really don't think temptation of this and temptation over that is all that big of a deal and we can so easily fall in to this ditch the ditch of sinful error and then on the other side there's this this uh, quag or quagmire as we might understand it this this miry uh, bog and that is a place where one also may fall feeling overwhelmed by, our, by temptation, overwhelmed by sin, overcome by guilt, and we just feel like we're sinking, 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 sinking. Now, have you ever felt that way?
the ditch, the quagmire. David said in Psalm 69 that he was sinking in the mire. David experienced that very thing. And he said it feels like the pit is closing its mouth over him. And as we struggle to see clearly in the shadows of the valley, we so easily fall into the ditch of sinful error by taking sin lightly. We so easily fall into the quagmire where we don't really embrace the promises of God and the assurance of salvation and we feel consumed and overcome by guilt and sin and temptation. And fourthly, it is a valley that is a confusing way. I think one of the most intriguing parts of, of the way Bunyan has uh, written this story is what we find here. That as, as Christian journeys to the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, he comes to what he is, is called the mouth of hell. And there he experiences these voices whispering blasphemies and temptations in his ear. And the confusing thing is, he cannot discern the source. Could it be that these blasphemies and these horrible thoughts are coming from his own mind? You know, when he was battling Apollyon, the enemy was clear. It's that foul fiend. <laughs> but here in the valley of the shadow of death, he really can't understand who the enemy is. I want you to think about that. There may be some of us here today looking all righteous and pious. And yet we're thinking impure thoughts. It really is amazing. How this inward battle, can, this, this inward darkness can be such a battle. John Bunyan, in, in another book that he wrote, Grace Abounding, said this about this, this very issue. Now I thought, surely I am possessed of the devil. As he was trying to figure out these, these blasphemies, these voices that are whispering things in his ear, so to speak. At other times, again, I thought I should be bereft of my wits. For instead of lauding and magnifying God the Lord with others, if I had but heard him spoken of presently, some most horrible, blasphemous thoughts or other would bolt out of my heart against him. Martin Lloyd-Jones, his, in his uh, sermons on Pilgrim's Progress, even comments of just how perplexed he is of some of the most mature Christians he knows yet having these horrible, wretched thoughts. What is the source of them? Derek Thomas says, they come from the devil, that he plants these thoughts in our minds, that he suddenly, unawares, whispers these things. And because of the fallenness of our human nature, they began to take root and to grow and 
to multiplying. I mean, isn't it perplexing how we can love Jesus so deeply and think in our minds such terrible, wicked thoughts? Now, if I'm the only one here that struggles with this, then egg on my face. (laughs) But I know I'm not. What do we do when we have thoughts like this? I can tell you there's this one answer. Run to Jesus. (laughs) Repent and believe. Fifth, it's a solitary place, but we're not really alone. One of the real neat things that happens on Christian's journey is that it is a solitary place, but he he hears someone else talking, and guess who it is? It's faithful. Another pilgrim on the way. And at the, at the point where Christian was ready to turn and run out of the valley of the shadow of death, he couldn't take it anymore. He hears another pilgrim, and he's greatly encouraged. And it just reminds me of what we read in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, that we're encouraged there uh, to build up one another, to encourage one another, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And you know what the amazing thing is, is that that we are a, a church family, we are a people, we're all on the same journey, and we're all facing this valley at one time or another. And we can come alongside one another and encourage one another in the valley of the shadow of death. But the greatest reason we are not to feel alone in this valley is not because there are other Christians like you and me, they're on that journey, which there are, but first and foremost, it is because of God's presence in the valley of the, sh- of the shadow of death. David in Psalm 23 speaks of God as, as his shepherd. Verses 1 through 3, there he, he speaks of God caring for him, protecting him, meeting his physical needs and his spiritual needs. He leads me to green pastures. He brings me to quiet waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He restores my soul. You see the work of the shepherd there, great, David greatly encouraged, but also the work of the shepherd that's described in verses 1 through 3 is the work that continues in verse 4. When David is in the midst of the deep darkness, when he is doubting God, when he is in fear, when he lacks assurance, when he feels like he's being overcome, when he finds it very difficult to even name one promise of God, the shepherd is there. The shepherd is even there, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, the tool of the shepherd, emphasizing that God is at work shepherding David and shepherding you and shepherding me through the valley of deepest darkness. He continues to be our shepherd to lead, to guide, to care, to protect, to provide for us. And we must rest in that reality. We rest in that reality because the valley of deepest darkness is the very place that the shepherd leads us. He brings us there as part of his shepherding of our souls. Now that's hard to understand, isn't it? 
But as David had to lead his flock through these valleys in Palestine, time and time again, God leads his people, leads you and me through the valleys of the shadow of death, time and time again. It's part of his work as a shepherd. He's with us in the valley. That's the point that is made here. And look at verses 5 through 6. David acknowledges that even in the valley of deepest darkness, <laughs> that God is there, and because he is there, there is a table, there is the anointing with oil, there is an overflowing cup. In other words, even in the valley, we are guests at the Lord's table. Now, we'll be observing the Lord's table here, a table of strengthening, a table of anticipating what is before us in, in heaven. But the point of, of David's words in Psalm 23 is to emphasize that even in the valley, God is at work providing for us, and not even the enemy can prevent God and deter us from being God's guest at the table. Not even the valley of the shadow of death affects our being with God at the table. And further, we're told that, that this work of the shepherd is undeserved. We're told that his mercy and his goodness will follow us all the days of our life and that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that we will make it safely through the journey to be with God in heaven. So we do go through these valleys, but God is with us, shepherding us all the way till we dwell with him finally in heaven. But his presence in the valley also gives us confidence to use the weapon, the spiritual weapon that is availed for us there. Christian and Bunyan's uh, story discovered a startling fact. When he was there at the mouth of hell where it seemed like the battle was the most intense, he actually had to put away his sword. And the weapon... Because the sword and the other armor didn't seem to be very effective like they were in the Valley of Humiliation. Now I have to say I feel a little squeamish even saying that, that we have to put away our Bibles in the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Because we're all committed to God's Word, right? It is life and it is truth and it is ever so necessary for faith and godliness. But here in this particular place, Christian, and I believe we find that it's prayer, all prayer, that is the weapon that is most useful in the valley of the shadow of death. If you look with me at Ephesians 6 and verses 14 through 18 is the, the passage where there. Paul gives the spiritual armament, but at the end of verse 18, he concludes with this. After he's talked about the spiritual armament, praying at all times in the Spirit, Paul says, with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication 
for all the saints. Now, maybe you've, you've experienced, as, as I have, this inward spiritual battle. And we're in a place inwardly of, of deep darkness and we're struggling. It, it's a time of spiritual dryness. So it's a time of being very much like the Israelites' wilderness wanderings. And it can be such a struggle to even pick up our Bible and read it. Now, have you experienced a time like that where it's difficult? And then when you do pick it up and read it, it seems like your mind is a fog. But there's the weapon of prayer. And maybe you've experienced this. Like myself, sometimes all I can do is cry out to God. That's not only all I can do, that's what I should do. And that's what David did. When we think of King David, he experienced the valley of the shadow of death. Remember, he not only veered off into the ditch, sinful error, when he sinned by committing adultery and murder, but that flung him over in, into the quagmire where he felt like he was overcome because of his sin. And we read in Psalm 69 that Josh read earlier, but I'll just read verses 13 through 18 just to remind us, so as David feels like, because of his sin, because of his error, and now overcome by his guilt and his despair, and he's sinking down into the mire, what does he do? But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from the sinking mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul. Redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies." When David was sinking in the mire, he turned to prayer. It's not all he could do. It's what he should have done. It's what he did. And just a pastoral note here. I have found that, that when it seems difficult for me to even pick up God's word and read it, that's where the Psalms, the prayer book, the hymn book of the church can be of great help. Just pick up the Psalms and begin reading. And I guarantee you, you'll be reading something that applies to you directly at some point in the Psalms. Like David's prayer here. So David turned to prayer. The weapon of all prayer. Then in Psalm 116 verses 1 through 4, we, we learn why prayer is powerful. God is present with us, yes, but he hears our prayers. Even when we're in the deepest darkness, he hears our prayers and he answers according to his will. Psalm 116, verses 1 through 4. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. 
The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Has that prayer, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul, been the only thing that you could pray? It has for so many of us. And that's exactly what we need to pray because prayer is the weapon of choice in the valley of the shadow of death. Prayer is powerful because God hears our prayer and he answers according to his will. And as we pray, deliver my soul, we're praying that in accordance with what God has promised, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He will deliver us. And then we think of the benefit of prayer in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we're in the valley of the shadow of death, fear and doubt and uncertainty and darkness where we can't even hardly see the light of the gospel, we find it difficult to even turn to God's word. We pray, and in that very, what looks like a very uh, distraught time, actually becomes a time of peace. Because we have turned to the shepherd and we have cried out to him in prayer. And his peace, which surpasses all understanding, especially in the valley of deepest darkness, will guard our hearts and our minds and our souls. The valley of deep darkness is part of every believer's journey at one point or another. And in the very midst of it, where we feel like we're at the very mouth of hell, our shepherd is there, shepherding us the whole time. And because he is there shepherding us, we have a powerful weapon, which is called all prayer. Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you that we can come even now before you to offer up this prayer asking you to work in us and through us enabling us to love you with all of our hearts that we cry out to you our shepherd and that you would meet us uh, where we are some of us here today may be in the valley of the shadow of death we may have just come out of the valley of the shadow of death we may be poised at the precipice to enter it and we know father that you are with us and that we have a powerful weapon, which is prayer. And so we continue to praise you and thank you for your work of grace. In whose name we, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.